You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's good out there, everybody? It's the Ruler of the Court podcast. It's back again with your host, Jason Jones of The Athletic, bringing you the latest in King's talk, hip-hop, and whatever else comes to mind. This uh, edition of the Ruler of the Court will drop before the Kings host the Orlando Magic on Friday. As we as I record this, the Kings sit at 12 and 12, coming off a tough loss to the Philadelphia 76ers Tuesday night at home. So, not going to waste too much time before I jump into that. Just want to um, point out some things that I notes I took, thoughts I had, not just from the Philly game but as a whole, kind of where the Kings are right now at 12 and 12, and what a game like the Philadelphia game shows and illustrates that the Kings need. So where do I begin? P- pretty simple. The Kings need more depth. I know this was a season that was that began with the idea the Kings weren't going to be good. They wouldn't be competitive. Maybe they don't win a lot of games, so on and so forth. So... There might have been a feeling or an idea that it would be okay if the Kings took some losses. Would it really matter? Just because, well, this isn't a good team anyway. So what? They might lose some games. It is what it is. But what have we seen so far? You know, they had their rough January, lose seven to nine. You know, drop the five and ten at one point. But like I said, you know, since then they've won. They've now won what seven of nine since they were five and ten. And sit at 12 and 12. And a game like the Philadelphia game illustrated to me why they need depth. And how do I begin with that? I begin with Harrison Barnes. Harrison is tasked with not only being on on many nights, having to be at least the second leading scorer, if not the leading scorer most nights. He also has the the task of usually defending uh, another high-level player somewhere on the court. And in that case, if you look at last, no, uh, Tuesday night's game, that meant guarding Ben Simmons. No easy treat. And on, and on top of that, also needing to add some offense into the mix. And what the Kings need, from my point of view, is you need one or two more guys who are in that 6'7", 6'8", range, you know, 6'9", wing-type player, athletic-type guy 
who you can also, you know, take some pressure off of Harrison, pull him off of, out of those deals, and free him up to have a little energy for on the other end of the court. And to me, that, that game Tuesday, Harrison just looked like he was, you know, he was gassed. I mean, uh, a couple of days earlier, you know, he had to contend with Kawhi Leonard. And then you turn around and have to, you know, deal with a guy like Ben Simmons. So, right now, the, the Kings are having success because uh, Luke Walton's coach has tightened the rotation. He's gone, you know, basically playing, really, in terms of major minutes. Six guys, you know, you know, really doesn't go any deeper than eight. You know, your main bench guys are Tyrese Halliburton, who plays a good amount of minutes. Corey Joseph, who plays anywhere from 10 to 15, maybe 20-sometime minutes. And then, you know, lately it's been Hassan Whiteside. You know, he, 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 really, he barely played in the Philadelphia game. He just wasn't very effective. Didn't look like he was moving well. Wasn't, you know, he didn't like himself. So that means you have uh, usually Glenn Robinson filling in as that extra wing guy. But if the Kings are to be a team that wants to stay in around that 500 range and make a run at the playoffs, I believe that at some point they're going to have to make some moves to get more help out there. Because counting on Glenn Robinson as your only other wing is not going to cut it. And Daquan Jeffries is making progress back from his uh, sprained ankle. But are you really going to expect Daquan to go from being a guy who was on a two-way last year, who's missed the entire season due to injury, to step in and fill that role? I don't know if you could, I don't know if it's even fair to ask Daquan to do that. So I think as the trade deadline approaches next month, the Kings are seriously going to have to look into whether they need to go out and add someone. I don't know who 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 will be available, but add you know adds use some of their those expiring contracts like a Bielitsa contract. You know, essentially Corey Joseph is an expiring deal because he has a buyout after this season. You know, do you take some of those contracts and try to go find some depth? You know, try to solidify this team. And I understand it's a big, you know, it's a deep draft class. I checked out the G League Ignite team, too. was like, pretty sure many of you did on Wednesday to kind of see some of the, the, those high-level talents. But at some point, some point in the this year, next year, at some point, there has to be a more focused or centered approach toward winning and you can't keep asking these guys to to play hard and and do so and not know that the front office is behind them not know that the front office is pushing for making the playoffs and so i think you're going to really have to consider adding some wing depth you know for this team to be successful and that wing depth really should not just be limited to helping out harrison you also have to look at that two-guard spot where really, you know, Buddy Heald, is, he's trying his damnedest on defense. He's acknowledging he needs to work at it. But no one's going to be calling Buddy Heald Clay Thompson on defense or anything like that anytime soon. No one's going to confuse him with a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard out there. I think you you, you really ideally could use two more uh, wing players 
one who could play three, four, one who could play two, three, you, you know, and that would allow you in those crucial moments, you could go to that guy and not have, to, you know, for defensive purposes, as opposed to counting on Buddy or going to Kojo in those cases where actually when you go to Kojo, you get smaller in the backcourt defensively. Like I said, Buddy's trying, but Buddy's still got a ways to go in terms of becoming or being a consistently solid defender. So that puts the pressure not on the coaching staff, not on the players. You got to look at Monty McNair, the general manager. You know, is he going to be content with just playing the string out with this group and seeing what happens? And if they make the playoffs, great. If not, you go into the lottery. But the problem you have there is that this team right now, if it continues with what things are going, if De'Aaron Fox continues to play at this high a level, like lately, you know, De'Aaron's playing at elite all-star level. You know, he's going, you know, when you watch the game, you don't watch the game and say that the team is losing because of De'Aaron Fox. You know, that you, no one's saying that, you know. Of course, there's always room for improvement. You might have watched the Philly game and thought that he took too many shots that he took 30. You know, maybe he should have, you know, looked to uh, create some different types of offense, maybe find other guys more, whatever the case may be. But you can't say that De'Aaron Fox is the impediment to the Kings right now. I mean, the dude's averaging 23.4 points, 6.7 assists, shooting 40, 48% from the field, rounded up, 36 from three. He does need to work on those free throws. Uh, 68% from the line is not going to cut it for a, a player who aspires to be one of the best point guards in the game. But all in all, you're getting everything you can from De'Aaron. So you need another, I think you just need another guy back there, you know, who like I said, you know, who has some size, who can help, you know, who can do some things defensively. Because, I mean, De'Aaron's got, you know, De'Aaron's a good size for his position. So you need to do something to kind of make that thing work. And excuse me for a second. I'm going to get a sip of water. Ah, I lost my train of thought for a second. My apologies, people. Trust me, you know, not distracted, just a little tired, you know. I didn't play in three or four nights, but it seems like, you know, the grind of the season is even catching up with uh, with us media folks, you know, uh, I think I'm pretty much zoomed out like most of us, but it is what it is. But again, if anything, the Philadelphia game taught us, it taught us, or should they reminded us, we already knew this, that the Kings need to get bigger, stronger on the wing and the perimeter for sure. And I'll throw this in there too. If they get like a banger of a, a big, a physical guy to play in the paint, you know, so that your only option isn't Hassan Whiteside. That would be that would be a bonus. I think that would really help this team out. You give them a guy, you know, who do you go get? I don't know, you know. But if you look for somebody physical, someone who can, you know, get down there and fight with guys like you know, fight with a guy like Joel Embiid. I thought the Kings actually showed pretty good competitive spirit and fight going against Embiid on Tuesday. Fact is that. You know, there's physics involved in this, and <laughs> those guys just weren't big enough. And you can only outmaneuver, out quick, 
you know, you know, against a guy that big or a front line that big so long. So, again, Mon McNair, the pressure's on you. You know, the ball's in your court, so to speak. If the Kings keep, the, if, they, if they keep playing this way, if they remain competitive, if they're in the hunt for that, you know, six, seven, eight spot, if they're even if they're in contention for that uh, playing game, you, you know, you get, you know, 35, 40 games in and you realize, hey, we got a shot, you know, we, we got a legit shot to get in. I think you got to go all in. You have to. Why? Because does anybody really want to watch, you know, the Kings be competitive, De'Aaron playing how he's playing? That's that's the point I got, I, I missed, you know, I, I kind of wandered from. You know, the way De'Aaron is playing... This team is not going to be, you know, a top three lottery team. They can't go into the lottery thinking, let's just get lucky. You know, they got lucky a couple of times, you know, that led to De'Aaron and Marvin Bagley, but you can't bank on that. So I do from what I said, or I said, what I see, you got to go all in on winning. You got to go all in and is being the eighth seed or the seventh seed quote-unquote winning it is when you're the sacramento kings and you've been losing for 14 years and you and essentially you've just been a joke to a lot of people around the league for a while so i definitely think you've got to really look into this you know start you know evaluating the landscape you know do you make a move to both of this roster i think it's going to be necessary if the team is serious about making the playoffs. And I think you'd send a horrible message if De'Aaron Fox elevates his game this to this level. If Harrison Barnes continues to have arguably his best season of his career. And you don't do you don't at least try to do something to get this team uh to improve a bit. I won't say the next level. I'm not gonna act like, you know, they're gonna go from where they are now to like a four the three seed, but for them uh, I don't know if you call it the next level. I'll call it the next step because you got to go up a, a, a few a few steps, a few flights of stairs even sometime before you get to the next level of a you know next floor. So if they don't want to start climbing those steps and get to the point where they're almost ready to get to, you know go from the from the from the first floor to the second, you got to look to boost this roster up. You got to look to give Luke Walton something to where he's not forced to play his closing lineup an entire fourth quarter to be competitive or he's not forced to play De'Aaron Fox 38 40 minutes Rashawn Holmes 38 40 minutes every night you know that's not ideal you know it's working right now but at some point those those minutes logged will catch up so uh, again Monty McNair what you gonna do I, I didn't mean to sound like Hulk Hogan when I said that but seriously what you gonna do when the season get near the trading deadline and everyone everyone's out there looking at you wondering are you going to help this team get better because if you if the kings don't do anything or there's not even any noise about them doing anything what it really says is that the team is content going into the lottery and hoping to get lucky and i think he got lucky in 2020 with tyrese halliburton falling to 12 don't count your luck on that again Go ahead and build this thing up. Let's see, can the Kings make the playoffs this year? I've been on the record saying I didn't think they would be a playoff team, but I would love to be surprised because guess what? I've been on this beat since 2009 full-time. I've never been to the playoffs 
well, with the Kings. I got to cover plenty of Warrior playoff games in the finals and all that, but it would be interesting. It'd be fun to actually have the team you cover play a few extra games and not have to know, you know, two months out when my vacation starts or when do I, you know, or start watching college basketball because you got to get ready for the draft. And <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be a, how college basketball will even look the rest of the year. I'm not really watching it because it's hard for me to even keep up with what's going on. But again, Kings basketball, let's see, can they, let's see what, there will there be enough you know pressure or attention on Monty McNair to make something happen just because we are in Sacramento and we all know that there have times where ownership can change really quick and if things don't work I could easily see that <laughs> if something goes awry we could be going through another change in a couple of years, you know, not, not, I'm not predicting Monty McNair's failure, but you know, who knows what's going to happen. So try to win now. If you really want to change the culture, that's how you do it. That's how you let the players know that you're serious about this thing. Cause trust me, there's going to be skepticism on, on amongst the team as to whether or not the team is serious about winning. Some of these guys who are still on the team haven't forgot that the team traded a guy they considered a leader in Amon Shumpert. You know, even though, you know, Amon wasn't playing as well as he had earlier in that season, which would be 2018-19, you know, those guys respected him and they haven't forgotten that. You know what? They traded him. And I'm not going to say that that's the reason why they fell apart after the All-Star break in 2019. But, you know, people are going to draw that conclusion. I think some of those guys from who were still left from that group might be a little wary as to whether or not the team is serious about this whole thing called winning. So there's your Kings talk for me from today. You know, hit me up on the socials, you know, Twitter, Instagram, you know, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones on Twitter at Mr. Jones LBC on Instagram. You know, hit me, you know, get in my mentions, holler at me, let me know what you think. Should the Kings make a move? Do you, do you, I mean, or maybe not. Do you want to see the Kings in the lottery? Do you think maybe they're better off trying to get another piece, you know, in the draft? I'm going to tell you who's not fine with that, the coaching staff. They're not losing their job so they can watch somebody else <laughs> coach this team next year because they got fired. So, but I'm curious, you know, what do you as fans think? What do you want to hear? What do you want to see the team do? So, holler at me, let me know. And now here's the part. You've all been waiting for. Hey, where's my water at? Hold on a second. Thank you. You know, got me a little new little Brita filter. Shout out to filter. No, no filtered water. It's got a nice little taste to it. I guess you could say. But the part you've all been waiting for, or maybe none of you've been waiting for. Maybe Sonny about to turn this off. It's it's your it's your episodic. Your every episode hip-hop talk and where am i taking it today we're going to chicago we're going to chicago not because the kings are playing the bulls not because i bought a new ordered a new pair of jordans on StockX, which i did uh but that's a you know that's neither here nor there <laughs> but let's we're going to, to chicago because you know i saw i saw on twitter that this week we are celebrating the 17-year anniversary of 
Kanye West, no, no, excellent debut, The College Dropout. And I know a lot of you now nowadays probably feel a certain way about Kanye, which I understand. You know, you know he's said some things, he's done some things, he's even created some ugly shoes that some of you may or may not decide to spend a lot of money to wear. Personally, um, I'm Team Nike. I do wear Adidas, but I'm not going to wear some of those weird-looking Yeezys. You know, I got, I got, I got, I got everybody. I got Reeboks. I wear my Chuck Taylors, but. That's a whole different, you know, discussion. But the reason why we're talking about Kanye again, 17-year anniversary of the college dropout. Well, I said one of the best debut albums ever. You know, Kanye goes from the dude, from the producer guy to, yo, he can really rap and gives us an, you know, back then, you know, so for those who were younger, you know, back in 2004, we still actually bought the physical CD. You know, and I think I played that CD till the artwork on the actual CD was gone. So that tells you to me how great an album that was. So what I want to do is uh, take a trip back down memory lane. Damn, I was your boy. I was still in my 20s when that dropped. Now I feel old. And just kind of go track by track. Maybe not every track, you know, and... Kind of just walk through that album and give you some of my takes, insights, and what I think about when I go through that this whole album. So we can start with the intro with the whole Bernie Mac, you know, the whole Bernie Mac voice and just kind of how that was soul Chicago at the time. Just because to hear to hear that, you know. You know, you know, you hear that whole voice and find you, it wasn't Bernie Mac. It just sounded like Bernie Mac. <laughs> Which makes it even better, you know. And, you know, one of the things you learn when you're researching the history of the album, that's why I called it the Bernie Mac voice. That was actually comedian D. Ray Davis. Ain't that some shit? <laughs> you know, for years, I think me and a lot of people assumed that was... Bernie Mac, and it wasn't Bernie Mac, you know, you know, so, you know, so, uh, wow, that's just, you know, one of the, probably one of the, the you know, one of the great, you know, things, you know, I, don't, I can't even call it ghostwriting, you know, but you start doing your little research, you're like, wow, that was D. Ray Davis doing an impersonation uh, <laughs> of Bernie Mac, that's hilarious. So, you know, we start there, you know, you know, but, you know, but, you know, you know, you do your research, you realize that Kanye wanted Bernie, couldn't get the late, great Bernie Mac. So that's, you know, and so eventually D-Ray ends up being the voice of several of the, um, of the skits on, you know, on the album. And so that's one of the cooler things about it, you know. If if I've been if I've been tricked by the internet and that's not true, someone for sure will hit me up. But yeah, it just that was you know that 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 just made the album more Chicago because you know at that point you thought of, a lot of people when you thought about Chicago you thought about Bernie Mac, yo. So that was just a, a cool little a little thing about that. So the intro to me is still one of the more funnier things that you will. 
you know, you're getting, by the way, just so you know, D-Ray Davis was born in Chicago, so I guess he gets a pass. He can ride with that. It works. Okay. Then we go down to the first actual song, you know, We Don't Care. You know, that was, you know, kind of the whole little, the kids singing, you know, you know, they weren't supposed to make it past 25, jokes on you, we're still alive. And that was cool for me because in 2004, I was 25. So, you know, I, I that, that was my that was my jam, you know, and you get the graduation day and then you know, one of the more I, I consider one of the more reflective, honest tracks all falls down Kanye with Selena Johnson and the you know, one of the lines, you know, about, you know, he he went to Jacob with 25,000 you know, and he would do it again, and that spoke to me, you know, for those who don't know, Jacob is Jacob the Jeweler, I don't know if he's still a big deal, but I've always said that, you know, I'm not a dude who's going to say that if I ever get rich, I'm going to, you know, invest my money, pay my bills, which I'm sure I would at some point do, but I'm for sure going to go buy me a chain. I've already decided that, Maybe it's why I'm not rich and won't be rich, but you can you can be damn right. I get you know I get twenty five thousand. I'm gonna try to work a chain into the budget. You know why? Cause damn it, I deserve a chain. I don't know what the chain would have, but it's gonna be a chain. It's gonna be gold. It'll probably have diamonds on it, all that stuff. It's because I want a chain. So, and then you know you have you another know, your your I'll fly away interlude, which goes into spaceship. You know, we got Kanye, GLC, and Consequence. You know, and that song just, you know, if my manager assaults me again, insults me again, I will be assaulting him. You know, I'm probably not getting the lyrics completely right, you know, but, you know, you know that song right there just takes you to a part, you know, about that, that's that whole idea that we're all beat down at some point, you know, and you, whether it be your job, your life, at some point, you just want to get away and go. And I'm, you know, I can, I, I can dig that to this day, you know, so shout out to Spaceship. And then the song that, you know, a lot of people, you know, probably still associate the most with Kanye is, is next up, Jesus Walks. And we probably should have known that at some point Kanye would make a shift toward gospel in some way with a song like this, you know, 2004, that era of rap, we, you know, it's still baggy jeans, baggy sweatsuits, you know, not fitted clothes. And here he comes in talking about Jesus. So we might, we probably should have thought there was a duality or that Kanye had several facets to himself. You know, and I'm a skipper. I'm a skip, you know, you know, you got, you know, never let me down with Jay-Z on. But I want to get to get him high, not because I'm high or I plan to get high, just because... I just love that song with uh, Talib Kweli in common, you know. You know, and it's the whole um, emailing me at 11.36, you know, talking about Black Planet and just the whole, you know, remember, this is 2004. People my age, we, we, we were still, we weren't new to the internet, but we were still figuring stuff out with it probably more so than we are now, you know. And the whole idea of meeting someone online and engaging in this conversation, you know, at NYU, but she hails from Kansas, you know, 
right now she's just lamping, chilling on campus. Sent me a picture of her, you know, all that, you know, those, you know, who would have ever thought how far we would go with the internet and meeting people online. But at that point, just that conversation, that whole thing was so, you know, was so real, you know, and even the part, you know, you know, you know, my friend Talib Kweli, you know, you know, you know, and she got all excited that his friend was on there, you know, pick up the line back in the, back then you could have two house phones and someone would have to actually pick up the other phone to talk if they were over there. So that was just a cool song. And I'm probably going to play the college dropout again after we're done. And then you got, you know, the workout plan, you know, you know, the whole kind of the, you know, the young lady talking about how she gonna get her workout on because she about to pull, she about to snag her a man with you know with a nice car and everything when she get her body right. And has that changed? I don't think so. You know. Then we get to to me the big hit from this. You know, or one of the big the bigger hits. You know, slow jams. You know, Twista and Kanye and Jamie Fox. And at this point, y'all, some of you may not know. A lot of folks weren't taking Jamie seriously musically, you know, and Twister bringing that midwit, that shyest, he brought his own unique style to the song. But, you know, Jamie Foxx singing like that. And it kind of also, to me, uh, highlighted the artistry of Jamie, because around, you know, early 2000s, as an actor, you start to see the diversity of, of you know, over that decade of Jamie Foxx's characters, like Ray and some of the different things, you know. And then this dude can sing. And he got jokes, you know. So this man can have a concert and then do a stand-up set, you know. So that, you know, you know the whole slow jams, you know. Do you want some, Mar you know, Marvin Gaye, you know, Luther Vandross, Anita Baker, you know, all that stuff. All the music you now, if you're my age, or maybe if you're younger, all the music you clean the house to, or in my case, I clean the house and make Sunday breakfast for the kids, or Saturday, depending on what day it is, and you know when they're hanging with me, I make them their special little weekend breakfast, and I play me some Luther, some Anita Baker, some Marvin Gaye, you know, yes, I'm ready for the world, some new edition, some mini Ripperton, yeah, it sets the day off just right when you hit the, when you hit it with that, so. You got your school spirit stuff, you know, all the little skits, you know, little Jimmy, the little Jimmy skit, you know, all that stuff is cool. And, you know, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Don't want to keep y'all going. Then you get to Through the Wire, you know, one of the most honest and open songs, you know, not maybe, maybe in all of hip hop history, just hearing him talk about rapping Through the Wire and recording song with his mouth wired shut. You know, you know, his girl was a Delta, so she's been throwing the dynasty sign. My girl is a Delta now, so I can, you know, relate to that line as well. But, you know, that and the video, the that whole thing, you know, was just to me monumental in so many ways, you know. Just because it was, you know, the sample, you know, you know, of the Shaka Khan instead of through the fire, through the wire, you know, it was, you know, kind of peak soulful sampling Kanye you know and like I said the song just kind of detailing you know all that he went through with the car accident you know and just the determination to still record the song 
So I just think this is, you know, another reason why this album was so great and such a big hit with everyone. And then you get to Last Call. I'll skip ahead to that, but you know, where it's a lot of Kanye talking, talking about, you know, how he got to Rockefeller, how he got with Jay Z, how, you know, you know, he you know, he wasn't wearing no big clothes. He came through with his polo on and maybe that's why I started wearing polo subconsciously, even though I think I actually would go back to Trick Daddy. People forget Trick Daddy had the song with Trina. You know, you don't know now who wear more polo than me. So a lot of, you know, give Trick Daddy his due on the polo game. I think I got into polo, you know, thanks to Trick Daddy. But Kanye only helps. He may he might have encouraged me to be a little more colorful with the polo, but I think Trick Daddy was first. So, again, that's my brief recap of one of the uh, called the greatest albums ever it dropped february 10th 2004 kanye west the college dropout uh so okay if you've got your own opinions takes on that feel free to hit me up let me know what you think do you even like kanye anymore are you done with him are you have you canceled kanye just let me know i'm curious you know i having a job as a journalist sports writer i've long long ago learned to separate the artist or in case the athlete the art on the field from who they are in their personal lives and you know maybe you're like that maybe you don't i can still listen to you know listen and look back at this music and see you know how good it was and what it meant for just the the hip-hop culture and you know to have a rapper out who wasn't talking about shooting people and we're talking about living a life like that. And not that that's wrong in any case, but not everyone can relate to that. And I thought Kanye was a very relatable rapper. And maybe he still is to you. I don't know how you view him. So, like I said, hit me up. Let me know what you think. Uh, before I go, I'm going to drop my uh, socials again. Uh, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones on Twitter. Uh, Mr. Jones LBC on Instagram. Uh, follow me, hit me up, like my stuff, give me comments, whatever it is you choose to do. And with that being said, I'm out. This is your latest edition of the Ruler of the Court podcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. I am Jason Jones of The Athletic, your, your fortunate host who can drop in and share these little bits of info with you about the kings and more so you guys be good out there you be safe and let's talk again next week i'm gone